Well, timing is everything. When we talk about the marathon going on right now, that is something that's uh, very important for a lot of people. Timing, you want to get the right timing. Uh, for some, they just want to, want to finish. If you play sports, you know timing is very important in sports. You just got to, uh, if it's baseball, you got to get the, the right timing on the bat to the ball to make good contact. Timing is also important when you want to propose to your significant other. So when I was dating Kaz and we were starting to get to the point where it's like, oh, I love you. Oh, I love you. I love you more. No, I love you more. I love you more. I love you more. No? All right. So, so we got to the point when we had to figure out, we had to figure out like, okay, are we going to, you know, what are we going to do? We're going to get married, where we're going to live, you know, and all the logistics. But then I had the tough job. My tough job was I had to get the ring, and the ring needed to be something amazing, multi-million dollar ring, this big, right? No pressure on me. Then I had to come up with a unique way of how to propose to her without her finding out, because women have this uh, innate sense about them that they just kind of know things, and so here I am trying to keep a secret from her. So here is my scheme, or I mean my plan, <laughs> uh, proposing to Kaz. It was simple. The whole timing was simple. The plan was this. We're going to the beach to meet some friends at night, and, and we're going to hang out with them. But then I was going to have my buddy, his name was Brian as well, he had a guitar, and he was going to uh, play some songs and, um, and, and pose as somebody who didn't live, who was homeless and needed, needed money. So he's going to play some songs, um, and, uh, and this homeless person would play some songs for us, and then I was going to propose to Kaz. So we had everything kind of figured out. Um, my friend Brian was on board. Kaz never met met him, so that was good, and we, it was in Huntington Beach, and we had the location all mapped out, like he knew it, I knew it, you know, he'd been there, I'd been there, we knew what we were doing, the timing wasn't that difficult, so we get down there, we get down there first, because our friends who are on the way, but they're not really on the way, because they're not coming, right, our friends who are on the way um, are late, so, which is, which is great, and Kaz and I have a chance to just walk around Huntington Beach, and it's awesome. And it's, you know, sunset, romantic, and everything is going great. So we're walking, and this is like the spot, let's say, where he was supposed to be. My friend, who was going to play the guitar and, like, serenade us and all that, I didn't see him there. <laughs> and I'm thinking, did he get the memo? <laughs> did, he, did, we, did we cross paths where he's, like, thinking it's tomorrow night and not tonight? And so I had to play it cool because I don't want Kaz to start thinking, is this a night? Is this a night? Is this a night? Is this a night? So, so I say, oh, let's just keep walking because our friends are on the way. It's beautiful. It's romantic. But then it's Huntington Beach. It's in the winter, and it was freezing. And so she had a dress on. I didn't have, I didn't have a jacket that I could give her. It was just, just a dress, and I just had my uh, shirt and, and a tie. And I'm like, oh, man, no, we need to keep walking around. And she's like, no, I need to go inside where it's warm. I'm like, no, it's not that cold outside. And she says, yes, it is really cold outside. And you're at the point where you're at that stage where you don't really argue that much, you know? 
you know that? Remember those stages? All right. So <laughs> some of you are like, yeah, that was a long time ago. But so, so then I, 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 um, I said, okay, just, just go inside and, and I'll call our friends who are on the way, but they're not really on the way. So I'm texting my, my, my buddy Brian and, and calling him and I, I can't get a hold of him. So I just text him. I say, we're going to the end of the Huntington Beach Pier where Ruby's is. Uh, meet us there, and I had no idea whether he's going to get it or not. So I go into the restaurant that she was at, um, and I said, hey, it's, it's, it's getting warmer outside. <laughs> and I didn't really say that. And I, and I, said, I said, but let's just go down to, to Ruby's, and let's meet our friends down there. They're on the way. Okay, great. So we go down into the pier there, and uh, just kind of hanging out, and then all of a sudden my friend comes. I'm like, oh, thank you. And he said, hey, I'm kind of down on my luck right now. My car is out of gas. Do you think you could give me any money? And I said, oh, you got a guitar? He says, yeah. And I said, do you know how to play? He said, yeah. I said, well, I'll give you money if you play us some songs. And Cavs was like, just give him money. <laughs> I said, no, he's got to work for his money. All right. <laughs> and, and I said, you know, my wife's from Australia. And, and you know that song uh, from Land Down Under? You know, the, I think it's Men at Work. You know that song? I don't know. All right. So he knew it. So he played it. I'm like, oh, all right, all right. And then I said, you know that Beatles song, the Love Me Do? You know, love, love me do. You know I love you. I'm going to join the praise band. No, no, I'm not. So he plays that. I get the ring out. Get down on one knee. I say all these sweet somethings. I don't remember what I said, but it was... But it was amazing, let me tell you. <laughs> Changed her life. <laughs> and then I said, will you marry me? And she said, no. Just kidding, she said yes. All right. <laughs> so, so, so that whole timing was off. It was so simple. Like, my buddy was to meet us here. We're to walk by. He was a sing song. So simple, right? The timing was one little thing, and the timing was off. And now, in the end, it still worked out, and it was still great, and it was, it was awesome and, and amazing experience and all that stuff. But the timing was off one simple event. When I think of the timing of Christmas, I am amazed at all the events that had to happen in order for Jesus to be born. And it's really a astounding at how big God is because we know God is big we know God is all powerful we know but sometimes comprehending that well we're never going to be able to fully comprehend it but what I want to do is look at a passage in Galatians uh, as we take a fresh look at Christmas as we look at these passages that not, aren't the normal Christmas passages but but let's look at this passage in Galatians and, and hopefully get a glimpse at how big and how amazing God is. Galatians chapter 4, starting with verse 4. But when the set time, or other uh, translations say in the right time, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent his spirit to his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child, and since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. In the right time, or when the time 
had fully come. The early Christian apologists in the you know, second and third and fourth centuries, they, they would uh, say this phrase had to do with the Pax Romana. The Pax Romana, for my history buffs there, was peace in Rome. There was a period of time when there was peace in Rome, and these were the, 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 the great Caesars where it wasn't all this conflict and craziness. It was just peace. So the early Christian apologists would say that the right time was the had to do with the Pax Romana because it was a peaceful time in order for Jesus to be born. Then later on, other scholars started thinking that, you know, it's probably a little bit more than that, that in fact, the right time has to do with God using unlikely people to accomplish his purpose. It's interesting as we read through the narrative of Scripture that God does use unlikely people all the time. So here's what I mean. Some of these uh, scholars will, will go to the book of Daniel and, and they'll say, well, let's look at Daniel chapter 11, verses 2 to 4. Now then, I tell you the truth. Three more kings will arise in Persia and then a fourth who will be far richer than all the others. When he has gained power by his wealth, he will stir up everything against the kingdom of Greece. Then a mighty king will arise who will rule with great power and do as he pleases. After he has arisen, his empire will be broken up and parceled out toward the four winds of heaven. It will not go to his descendants, nor will it have the power to be exercised because his empire will be uprooted and given to others. There are some kings references referenced here in this passage here. Look at these kings here. Um, I'm going to just let you look, read their names because I can't pronounce half of them. You think my Hawaiian names are tough. These are tough. So, but I know Darius and I know King Xerxes and I know Alexander the Great. The other ones up there, uh, not so much there or up there rather. So, but here's why I bring this up. Daniel wrote this in Daniel chapter 11, wrote this before all this stuff happened. These kings had no idea about Daniel chapter 11. And here's what's, what's really amazing is that we have a king like Alexander the Great, the mighty king, Alexander the Great. Here's what he would do. He conquered the known world at that time. And he wanted to continue going. He wanted to continue going and continue going. And when he would conquer nations, he would develop schools of Greek schools, Greek schools, so Greek uh, philosophy, Greek thought, uh, and Greek language, Koine Greek, which is common Greek. Alexander the Great would come, and he would indoctrinate everybody with Greek culture. Then he'd go to another nation, and all, and then he would conquer all of them. Same thing, set up Greek schools, you know, teach Greek philosophy and have Greek language. Then he'd go to another nation, same thing, another nation, same thing. And what was happening is he was creating these universal roadways from this nation to this nation to this nation to this nation. Not only that, but he was creating this universal language, Koine Greek, Koine Greek, Koine Greek, and all this stuff. So, so, so when one person went from one nation, they could start a trade route with another nation and have a common language. But what's fascinating, Alexander the Great didn't realize that God perhaps was using him for a greater purpose. 
Daniel chapter 11 seems to su suggest that. And here's what's also cool. Alexander the Great, when he died, the kingdom didn't go to his sons. The kingdom went to four kings, four of his generals. And they talk about the four winds in Daniel chapter 11. And what happened? The kingdom was never as strong as it originally was. So, so as we look at this, the timing of Jesus, whether it's about the right setting in history with the Pax Romana or, or whether it's God working in history through, through these kings, is one and the same. The point is, however we want to look at the, the setting and the time of Christmas, God knew what he was doing and that God had a plan and that God had everything figured out. So the timing of Christmas is the fact that at the right time, Jesus came. At the right time, Jesus came. At the right time, Jesus came for us, for you, for me. At the right time. It's a wonderful story and picture of love that God had orchestrated the events to happen so Christmas could happen, so God could come down. So in the right time, Jesus came. In the right time, Jesus came. Now, Jesus came during a system where there was a law. There was a law everywhere. The, the, the initial law was the Garden of Eden. Don't eat from the tree of good and evil, the tree of knowledge, right? Don't eat from it. Simple. Simple, simple. Maybe not. Then, we all know what happened. Then, after that, what happened was, uh, was the Ten Commandments. Okay, great. Go from one, one, one commandment to ten. That didn't work out so well. Then, as time went on, after everything was said and done, there were 613 Old Testament laws. For those of you who have kids and grandkids, and they say, there's too many rules. Just take them back to the Old Testament. Say, there's 613 of these rules. I think you got it pretty good here. I'm just saying, that's a tip for parents, grandparents. You, you could use that one, all right? You don't need to give me credit. So, so you have these laws, but what's amazing about all these laws is that um, the, the law revealed that we're guilty. That's what the law did, revealed that we're guilty. We mess up on this law. We, we don't follow this. Like, you know, love the Lord your God, right? Oops, sometimes we don't always do that. We're guilty. That's what the law does. Here's what we read in, in, uh, in James. James says, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. So James is saying, you break one part of the law, guilty of breaking them all. It's kind of, here's how I think of it. Imagine driving down Kalaniani Ole. <laughs> I said it better first service, just so you all know, all right? You're driving down. There are 19 stoplights on Kalaniani Ole. Count them. I, don't, I didn't count them. Somebody came to me after first service and told me that. So there's 19, count them. So you're driving down, right? Here's how I envision this law thing. There's a red light. You stop. You look left. You look right. You go. There's a red light. You stop. Look left. Look right. You go. All right? And you keep going. Maybe do it three times. Maybe, maybe on the fourth one, you're like driving and it's 
turning red and you're like, oh, but I'm late. I have to get to, you fill in the blank. And then you're going, and you run the red light. And then you look in the back in your rearview mirror and you see the blue and red lights. And then you pull over and you say, good afternoon, officer. What seems to be the problem? <laughs> and the officer says to you, she, she looks at you and she says, uh, sir or ma'am or whoever's driving, uh, you ran that red light. So I'm going to have to give you a ticket and a fine. But then you realize and a brilliant idea. Brilliant. It's like almost from the Lord, almost, until you say it. Then you realize it's not from the Lord. But you say, Officer, I understand I ran that red light. But there were like four other red lights that I didn't run. <laughs> so can we just call it even? <laughs> what's, what's that officer going to say? She's going to be like, uh, we're going to book you. No, the point is we broke the law, so we're going to get fined. We're going to get a ticket, and then we're going to get like a point on our driving license record unless we go to... Traffic school, which is never fun. <laughs> How many of you been to traffic school, by the way? Yeah. I, I, I prefer the online ones. Not that I get many tickets. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, uh, where was I? Oh, okay. So we're guilty. We, we get fined. They give us a ticket, and we go, thank you so much for the ticket. And we're like, oh, man. And we, we get a ticket. But here's the deal. Jesus... Knowing that you and I are guilty because we break one of the law, right? We break all of the laws. And, and knowing that we are guilty, went to the cross, paid our fine so that we may have eternal life. And it's because of Jesus that he paid our fine that our debt is paid. And Jesus came to earth. And talk about a gift. Talk about a gift that we don't deserve Jesus coming to earth, somehow God coming to earth for us. We don't deserve that. That is the, one of the greatest stories, the greatest story of all time is Jesus coming and then Jesus dying and rising for our sins. Jesus is the gift to us, but he, he is the gift that keeps on giving because, because not only is it like a one-time deal, it's like he gives us this gift and then he continues to, to empower us. He continues to inspire us. He continues to, to bless us in different ways that we never thought we could be blessed. And, and he continues to give. God is a God who continually gives. He gives us eternal life. He gives us the right to be family. He gives us the right to be heirs. So Jesus came at the right time. In the set time, Jesus came to make us family. My, my brother is, 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 is adopted, and so my parents thought they couldn't have kids, so they, um, they adopted my brother. And then once they adopted my brother, I, I came, like, you know, shortly after. I was like, oops, <laughs> here's a surprise. I'm like, Mom, Dad, a good surprise, right? Like, mm-hmm, yeah, just kidding, <laughs> But here's what's amazing about family and about adoption. There is never any unwanted adopted babies. People adopt because they want that child. What do we see in Scripture here? God has adopted us into his family. 
There are no unwanted people in God's family. We have a place where we belong. We belong to God's kingdom. And this, our local congregation, is a place where you belong. This is a place where your friends belong, a place where people who need hope, a place where people need um, to know that they have eternal life, a place where they know that we will walk with them through their struggles and their hurts. This is a place for them. Why? Because God has adopted them into his family. If you ever feel like you're not loved, if you ever feel like you're just, something's not there something you know you feel like no one loves you or appreciates you we all feel like that at times but never but understand this god always loves you he always loves you and he is the one we're here to live for not the people around us we're not living for them we're in relationship with them but we're living for god and it's his opinion opinion that matters and you know what he says he says we are his beloved he says we are his children. He says we are his family. He says we are loved. Amen? Amen. So, so let's look at John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 12. Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or husband's will, but born of God. We are born of God. We are adopted into his family. And in Galatians, it also says that, that, that we are an heir of the kingdom. I used to say a heir of the kingdom. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, it's an heir of the kingdom. Just, you know, a little bit of a difference there. We are an heir of the kingdom. Back in Bible days, you'd have servants and you'd have house workers and all that. They didn't get the inheritance. Who got the inheritance? The sons and daughters. We get the inheritance because we are the sons and daughters. We get the inheritance of eternal life, the inheritance of his Holy Spirit, the inheritance of how he blesses and, and moves within our lives. We are his children. As the band comes, I, I, I want to share with you the story of the prodigal son. The story of the prodigal son is a story that is so powerful. The, the, the son, the younger son, takes his inheritance, right? And then he goes, and the Bible says he spends it on wild living. Hmm, wonder what that means. We can all figure that one out. And then after his money is gone, his inheritance is gone, he realizes he's broke. And if he's broke... He's either going to live on the streets or he's going to go back home to his father who is living nicely. So he goes back to his father because he's thinking to himself, at least I can be a servant. He's not even thinking that he's going to be a son of his father. He's thinking at least I could be a servant of my father. He comes home and on the way home, what happens? The father has his arms wide open, wide open, and embraces his son and says, this son of mine was lost, but now is found. The prodigal son left, turned his back on his father. He came back, and his father's arms were wide open. And he says, you're not a servant. 
You're not a servant. You are my son, and we're going to have a party. And they had a party because his son was home. And as sons and daughters of the king, sons and daughters of the baby Jesus who was born, who lived this life for us, as sons and daughters, we are heirs to the king. And we could call God Abba, Father. It's like when Abby calls me Dada. I'll be joking around with her and, and all that, and she'll go, Dada. It's the cutest thing in the world. <laughs> and it's this intimate term that only a daughter or a, a, a kid would use toward his or her mom or dad. But we have that right to use that intimate term to God, Abba, Daddy. That's the love that happened and started at Christmas. You are loved, we are loved, and we belong. God loves us so much. So in the right time, Jesus was born in order that we would be redeemed from the law and that we would become family and an heir of the kingdom. Amen?